from the studio in Sun City, Arizona Boomer Radio presents Wealth DNA with Ron the Ronald Naraki. Wealth DNA gives you insights and methods for increasing your net worth. Ron's experience dealing with local and international markets give him insights that can be valuable to any investor. Now here's the host of the show, Ron Naraki. Hello and welcome to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. We're honored that you're joining us today. Whether you're in the western U.S. where our guest is and you're having a cup of coffee or you're on the east coast getting ready for lunch or in Europe and pouring yourself a glass of wine or maybe you're listening to the archive of the show, I'm sure glad you joined us. And I'm hoping you'll be glad you did as well. The... Uh, I've got I've got a lot of questions in in front of me that I've kind of thought about as I prepared for this show, but I still welcome get questions from you and from our other listeners. And since the US celebrates Columbus Day today, I would expect there are more listeners at home with their kids. What a great way to start building uh, their knowledge about finances and investing to get together around the radio player and join in today's conversation. Now, the advantage of joining us during the live show is you get to ask questions or make comments, either using the chat window below the radio player or by calling in. We'll talk more about that. Our topic today is calls, puts, and other options. As an upcoming book suggests, we all need to know our options, which is, after all, what the Wealth DNA radio show is all about, and specifically the series we've been doing on alternative investments which we actually started back in April of 2012 with a series on direct investments in real estate. Then we returned to it in October of 2012. The majority of our shows since then have been about alternative investments. We want to make sure our listeners know there's far more than just stocks and bonds that should be in a well-diversified portfolio. Now, most of us over the age of, oh, I'd say 25 or so, realize that time flies. And it seems to fly by faster and faster every single year. Now, for those 25 and under, I should remind you that you should take full advantage of the time you have available. It won't be long before you don't have something you now refer to as free time. The cynic in me would even add that youth is wasted on the young. You don't realize what you've got until it's gone. Now, the reason I mention this is time has been flying so quickly that I was remiss Yep, on our last radio show, the end of September, I was remiss in mentioning an anniversary of our radio show. You see, the Wealth DNA radio show started three years ago at the end of September. My, how time flies. Now, I'm sure the listeners to some of our earlier shows were wondering how long the show would go on with us running out of topics to cover related to saving, investing, and wealth building. As I started to schedule those shows, I had the opposite concern. So we very quickly changed from a monthly show to twice monthly, and I can assure you the list of topics to cover isn't much shorter today than it was three years ago. So for those of you who have been listening to the show since the beginning, happy anniversary. In addition, happy Columbus Day to our listeners in the U.S. and in Spain. If it wasn't for the Queen of Spain, our good friend Chris would have never had the money to set sail to the West to reach India and prove his theory that the world was round. Now, there are a few key points in that history for investors that I'd like to point out. First, the Queen of Spain was an early venture capital investor. When she provided the funds for what seemed like a pretty risky venture, if you listened to the experts of the day who said he was crazy. And the 
second point is that a pessimist would say Christopher Columbus failed. He never reached India, as he promised. The third key point, the optimist would say the the uh, uh, Chris's venture was well wildly successful. He not only proved his theory that the world was round, but he also discovered an entirely new continent. And today, the political, economic, and financial importance of North America overshadows that of Spain, where Christopher Columbus set sail more than 500 years ago. So the next time you're in Barcelona, go down to the harbor, stand next to the statue of Christopher Columbus, and have him inspire you to accomplish more than you set out to do. Now, regular listeners already know, and let me share with the others, our overall goal is to help one million people become millionaires. And I certainly hope you will be one of those millionaires or multimillionaires. And I certainly hope you'll be one of those uh, uh, very soon. Now, to do that, the focus on uh, of the show is on investment fundamentals, investment opportunities that many financial advisors don't want to tell you about or may not even want you to know about. Today's topic is no exception. So the majority of what we talk about on this show will be just as valuable to the listener in 2012 and, uh, I mean, sorry, 2023 and 2113 as it is today in October of 2013. Although occasionally it is helpful to give our listeners an overview of some of the current events that include geopolitical, economic, and financial markets. Our topic is particularly relevant to the geopolitical and financial market backdrop that we see today, and I use that term backdrop and tapestry a lot. First, there's a very long-term cycle that's nearing an end, or maybe has already ended. That's the 35-year decline in interest rates, which has provided a wonderful climate for investors in long-term and medium-term bonds. You see, during that 35-year period, those investors not only receive the vast majority of their interest payments, there are very few defaults, but they also got capital gains if they sold some of their bonds prior to maturity. It's like sailing with a wind behind you for 35 years. You may forget what it's like to sail into the headwinds. That, of course, was one of the motivations for our series on alternative investments. We want to make sure Each of our listeners are ready for the decline in market values for many years to come. Now, on the geopolitical front, we have the the, um, usual international hotspots and uncertainties. Uh, We also have a U.S. government shutdown in its 14th day. And in three days, just three days, the U.S. also faces the potential, although it's not very likely, of a default if the politicians in Washington don't reach a deal to raise the debt ceiling above the current astronomical $17 trillion. Why, it seems just just five years ago we had a presidential candidate complaining about this debt nearing $10 trillion. It's astronomical and vowing to stop that cycle of overspending. I'm reminded of the words of that great philosopher, Yogi Berra. It seems like deja vu all over again. So given that background of what we face in 2013, you can guess what a few of my questions will be for our guest, Lori Itkin. The questions that you and virtually every investor are asking daily. Should I stay the course? Should I sell all my bonds or hedge my bond position? Should I sell all my stocks or hedge that position until there's less uncertainty in Washington, D.C.? If I want to hedge, how do I do that? Incidentally, just 13 months ago, specifically September 10th of 2012, if you look in the archive, we had a show which provided an overview of the concept of hedging. And you might want to go back and re-listen to that show. One of the things I mentioned is that we would be talking a lot more about hedging in the future. 
Well, back then, today was the future, so I kept my promise. Today is October 14, 2013. It's 9.08 in Arizona, 9.08 a.m. on the West Coast, and 18.08 in continental Europe. It's the only day ever like it, so we'll do everything possible to make it a great one. You're listening to the Walt DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. The show airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. Now, I certainly hope you can join us each time we air, but if you miss a show like the earlier ones on alternative investments or the overview of hedging, you can find them on the archives. Just go to www.wealthdna.us where we list each of the shows, both upcoming and archived. Now, we welcome your questions and comments during the show. We recommend using the chat player that's right below the uh, uh, the chat window, I should call it, below the radio player, uh, or you can call in and our producer will put you through. The call-in number, 917-388-4162. And if you go online, you'll see that number at the top of the screen as well. Now, the U.S. equity markets, after a yo-yo couple of weeks, are off to a negative start. Asia was up. Europe, which just closed, was mixed, and Brazil is up. So how are the markets doing? Well, it depends. Given our topic today, I should add that if on September 30th you felt that the U.S. equity and bond markets were getting just too risky and the U.S. government was likely to shut down and maybe default, and you decided to hedge your long positions, as I generally do, you've probably lost money on those hedges. You see, the equity markets are slightly higher and interest rates, which I would have expected to rise with the uncertainty, have barely budged. I'll just re- um, uh, just remind you, What we talked about when we talked about hedging and forex trading recently, hedges are like buying insurance. If the markets did drop dramatically, your insurance would have paid out and reduced your loss. If they don't drop, you pay for insurance that didn't get used, at least yet. Where are those U.S. markets heading? Should we be carrying insurance? Well, let's bring on someone who specializes in advising people on that very topic. Our special guest today, Lori Itkin, who started her career working as an options trading assistant for a market maker in Chicago. Wild start to a career. She has a degree in finance from the Wharton School, which I used to pass by as I commuted between Westchester, Pennsylvania and downtown Philadelphia. She spent the majority of her career in public policy, corporate government affairs, before leaving to launch a business based on her passion, the stock market. Ms. Itkin is the founder of The Options Lady and an investment advisor with Coastwise Capital Group. She's also the author of a forthcoming book, Every Woman Should Know, Her Options, Invest Your Way to Financial Empowerment. Let's give a warm radio welcome to Lori Itkin. Welcome, Lori. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Ron. Really happy to be here. Now, I gave a brief overview of your background. How do you introduce yourself at a cocktail party? You know, Ron, they always tell you that at a cocktail party you should give your seven-second elevator speech, and I Correct. still can't do it in second second, seven seconds. <laughs> so when I say I'm the options lady, the only people who really understand what that is is people who trade options, but most of the people you meet at a cocktail party don't know what that is. So I introduce myself as a money manager and investment advisor, and then they get it. Okay. Well, tell us a little about Coastwise Capital Group. And, uh, by the way, make sure you share the link with our listeners. You see, some of them like to do multitasking. They're listening to the show, and they're getting information while we talk. So uh, tell us a little bit about Coastwise Capital. 
the Coastwise Capital Group, and I'll tell you the uh, the way to find us on the internet is you can just mm-hmm. literally Google Coastwise Capital Group, or you can mm-hmm. go to uh, www.coastwisegroup.com. And we are a boutique money management firm. We are a registered investment advisor. That's an RIA, and that mm-hmm. uh, distinguishes us from some of the larger wirehouse firms. And it gives us the flexibility to specialize in one thing, and that is developing customized portfolios for people. We specialize in being portfolio managers. Uh, You won't find us um, selling annuities or mutual funds or putting you in cookie cutter stock bond and cash allocations. Uh, We specialize in managing portfolios and hedging, as you mentioned, Ron, uh, Mm -hmm. by using uh, primarily a one of the most popular and conservative options strategies, which is called the covered call. Okay, so you don't have one of those CIOs that writes an investment letter and says, here are 10 recommended stocks, and then you push those 10 stocks and all of your clients away, some of the uh, bigger wirehouses or or, or retail brokers would do. Okay, That's right. We we are uh, paid a fee based on your uh, level of assets in the account, and we primarily use uh, high-quality dividend-paying stocks, and we love to use exchange-traded funds to provide diversification. Uh, rarely would we use mutual funds, except for a very small accounts like a 529 college account. Gotcha. Okay, now tell us about your passion and, and what we would kind of affectionately call you as well, the options lady. And again, share the link to that site for our listeners. The Options Ladies link is www.theoptionslady.com. And if you that's Google the Options, that's simple enough. And if you Google <laughs> the Options Lady, you will find me. Uh, so obviously, the the, um, the 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 title of that has sort of double meaning. What does that Correct. mean? The Options Lady, a lady with options, and it's a play on the word of options. I started this company because. Uh, when I started telling people that I had become a millionaire before I turned 40 through investing in the stock market, um, a lot of people were surprised, um, you know, especially as, as a woman, and I really did it myself. And so mm-hmm. I started the Options Lady because I really wanted to educate and empower women of all ages to become successful investors. And Mm -hmm. I found through 20 years of investing in the stock market, uh, when I started applying option strategies, I found it could really increase my probabilities of success when investing in the stock market. Okay. Now, if you kind of touched on this, but if I look at the universe of financial advisors, even if I just review the past guests we've had on this show, the vast majority are men. Now, is that part of your motivation for the options lady and the upcoming book? Yeah, I mean, I I basically, when you go to a conference for self-directed investors, mm-hmm. especially an options conference, 90% of the attendees are men. I mean, mm-hmm. why is this? This makes no sense to me, especially since uh, if you look at the people who are graduating from medical school and law school, do you know that now more than 50% Correct. of the graduates are women? Mm-hmm. So women are in the in the position now of really controlling a lot of wealth in this country. And so 
Uh, you know, I wanted to be able to show, be a model for other women that, yes, you can be a successful investor, whether you pay someone to do it for you or you do it yourself. Okay. And, that, you know, one of the comments, though, I want to make sure that, that some of our listeners, the male half, don't get offended in some way. Would you agree with the comment I made in the introduction that the topics we cover today on options apply to men just as much as to women? Absolutely. And, Ron, I do expect this book uh, to be purchased by a lot of men because all the books that have been written on options, not all of them, but the vast majority, are, are fairly dry and complex, let's be honest. And so right. if I can uh, communicate this subject to women, many of whom are not sophisticated investors, then certainly men would be able to understand the book as well. Exactly, exactly. But I, I, I think you're absolutely correct, and, and I would even add one more on the women versus men. Uh, as they retire and as they get older, women live longer, so very often if the women haven't been involved in their investing uh, and managing their finances in any way, shape, or form, when the, when the husband passes away, uh, they have a serious problem. They're lost. Absolutely. Uh, not only when um, uh, their husband passes away, but what about all the women who get divorced at any age? And that's what I really try to um, can, you know, persuade women, that even if right now they're in a marriage or relationship where they defer the most of the investment decisions or all of the investment decisions to the man, uh, mm -hmm. if they do become a widow, because as you said, Ron, women outlive men generally, Correct. Um, he is determining how his wife lives in retirement. He is determining the lifestyle that she has. If he is too conservative with his investing, there will not be enough money. If he is too risky with his investing, there will not be enough money. So it is imperative that the woman be a partner in these decisions. And she can't be a partner unless she's educated about the stock market. And that's where I come in as the options lady. Okay. Now, you mentioned divorce, but that only happens to about 50% of the population. <laughs> I'm married to a divorced man, I know. All right. Well, that's that's true of uh, of my wife as well. So uh, that that happens to, uh, to to be on both sides of this conversation here. Now, many people feel this is both men and women that they know nothing about investing. They'd rather watch a reality show or or maybe a football game rather than listening to this radio show or reading a book about investing. Now, should those people just use a financial advisor? Would that be simpler? Well, a lot of people do use a financial advisor, um, but even I guess my thought about this is that so I am a financial advisor, but I really encourage my clients to understand what I am doing. When they sign up with me, not only do they get the portfolio manager, they are getting education from me. Um, and I really, my goal, Ron, is that People use a financial advisor because they are too busy, because they need to outsource this function. But I don't want people to use a financial advisor simply because they're ignorant and don't know how to do it themselves. They should choose a financial advisor just as I would choose somebody to paint my home because I don't have time to paint it myself. But I probably could figure out how to paint a wall if I wanted to. The investing should be no different. 
Exactly. No, I, I totally agree with that philosophy. And, and by the way, you know, most of us think of Zig Ziglar as one of the greatest sales trainers that ever lived. Uh, but after he passed away, I learned of a quote that evidently he used often. I just missed it somewhere in his career that uh, rich people have small TVs and big libraries and poor people have small libraries and big TVs. One of my tips to listeners very often is stay away from the TV set. Read a book instead. Or... Go on, go, go Google, go Google Motley Fool, go Google Seeking Alpha, Stock Twits. Right now, you know, when I started investing 20 years ago, all you had was the Wall right. Street Journal. I mean, <laughs> there was no Internet. For young people today, the amount of free information is unprecedented. And there are so many sites that lay things out in a way that you can't understand no matter what your educational level. Yeah, no, it's hard to believe that the internet didn't exist. Uh, you know, even even uh, 15 years ago, it was just barely in its infancy. It's just you know, so many young people assume it's been around all along. Their parents just didn't tell about them when they were little or something like that. But let me remind our listeners: you're tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki, and I look forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. Now, if you've missed some of the prior shows, like the ones we did on alternative investments, or if you want to re-listen to them, we maintain an archive of shows on Wealth DNA. US. If you'd like an email reminder of the shows, you can do one of two things or both. Just send an email to me, ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Or in the upper left side of the screen, just under the uh, Boomer and the Babes picture, click the follow button. You'll be informed of each of the great shows on the Boomer and the Babe network. Now, a reminder, during the radio show, we welcome you, our listeners, to ask questions. The easiest is to start a chat in the area below the radio player or call in 917-388-4162. Let me repeat that, 917-388-4162. Our topic today is calls, puts, and other options, which we're discussing with Lori Itkin, who we can refer to as the options lady. Now, Lori, not all of our listeners are experts in investing. Give us an overview of options and how they work. So a lot of people have heard about options but don't know really what they are. And options have, I believe, received a pretty bad rap. A lot of people think of them as speculative investments, but in fact they were invented to do exactly the opposite. Uh, as you mentioned earlier on, some people use them as insurance for their portfolios. Some people use them to generate income in their portfolios. There's a whole slew of option strategies, but what I want to focus on today are the two most conservative strategies, those that you can even do in your IRA, you can do in your retirement account because they are actually more conservative than buying and holding stocks. So I want to repeat that. These two strategies are more conservative than buying and holding stock. So if I can, let me give you just a little uh, summary of two of these. Sure, absolutely. The first one. All right. So the first strategy is uh, called a cash-secured put or selling a put option. And what that does in an option is a derivative of a stock. Uh, You can Mm -hmm. also trade them on ETFs, exchange-traded funds, but let's just for simplicity say it's on a stock. So if uh, Nike stock, for instance, is trading at $72 a share, let's say, and I don't know what it's trading at this morning, um, 
well, okay, you like, let's say you like Nike, and this is not a recommendation to buy or sell Nike. You mm-hmm. like Nike, it's trading at 72, but you only want to buy it if it falls to 70 bucks a share. Gotcha. So many investors are familiar with putting limit orders in, where if the stock does fall to 70 sometime in the future, they will then buy the stock at $70 a share. Mm-hmm. But what happens if it never falls to $70 a share and you're tying up capital? Let's say I want to purchase 100 shares at $70 a share, but it's trading at 72 I have to hold $7,000 in my brokerage account available to purchase those shares. Correct. I, now, if you have a margin account, you have to hold less capital. But again, we're trying to simplify this. Sure, what if sure. I could get? What if I could get paid to wait until the stock goes on sale? Okay. That's that's what you're doing when you sell a put option. I am now going to get income in my pocket today for selling a put option. For me to make the agreement that. 30 days from now, let's say, or 60 days from now, I will commit to buying 100 shares of Nike if it falls to $70 a share. Okay, if it never, gotcha. If it, if it goes from 72 to 71 to 70 and a half, it falls, I never have to take ownership, but I keep that option premium. Mm-hmm. Because you sold the option, you get to keep yeah. that money, correct? Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. Whenever you sell an option that is immediate income in your account today, cash, gotcha. you could use it if you want it. You can do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically selling a put option is simply a way to get paid to wait till the stock goes to your price that you want to purchase it at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's some way. There's, again, it gets more sophisticated and complicated, but, you know, uh, what questions do you think I should answer from there? Well, I think the other would be what's the other strategy? Because you mentioned two strategies that you like right. that are very conservative. So what's the second one? Right. The second one is what a lot of retired people do is covered calls. This might one might okay. be easier to understand. You okay. already own stock. You own 100 shares of stock. Let's say you own 100 shares of Qualcomm, and it's trading at 67 a share, and you've made a gain on that stock already. If you agree to sell it at, let's say, 70 bucks a share somewhere down the road, you can sell a call option with a strike price of $70, and you will get paid income in your pocket today to agree to sell it at 70, which is a gain sometime in the mm-hmm. future. And that's okay. a hedge. Because if the stock you own goes down in value, the value of the call option will go up. Right. Right. Exactly. Now, it goes up, and also after it expires, you can do this reduce process again if it didn't hit your Absolutely. price. Absolutely. It's an okay, incredible so income-generating opportunity. That's what we do at Coastwise. We construct portfolios of dividend-paying stocks and or exchange-traded funds, you're getting income because of the dividend, but we also sell call options, which brings in another stream of income. And once again, like in a situation like people are concerned about the next few days, the, the debt ceiling, sure. you are receiving income from renting out your stock so that if the stock falls in value, if your portfolio falls in value, you've received income that offsets some or all of that loss in value. It's a hedge. It is more conservative than just holding stock in your account by itself. 
Okay. Now, to, to keep this as simple as we can, and as we'll be talking about the various uh, ways we can use options, uh, we should probably pick a stock. Uh, I don't know if you want to pick Qualcomm, Nike, um, uh, Ford, IBM, whatever. Let's let's pick one stock. What, which one shall we pick to, okay. to uh, so focus let's pick on today? Qualcomm, where I live in San Diego, that's a very popular stock. It's a, a, a right. great company. Again, it's not a recommendation to buy or sell Qualcomm stock, but I can tell you it's a, very, it's a stock that a lot of people hold here in San Diego. I can tell you that. So if I Correct. look at Qualcomm, it's trading at $67.67 a share right now. Mm-hmm. I look at its price chart, and I see that the 52-week high was $70.37. And, in fact, because okay. it's all-time high. It's all-time high. And as we know, mm-hmm. Ron, the, the market, uh, S&P 500, hit you know a 20% year-to-date gain not too long ago. Correct. So yes, as a matter of fact, I, I, feel, I, I, right, I was going to say, I mentioned on this show there's been like 26 record highs on the S&P 500 this year. So um, a little little tidbit there for you. So Qualcomm pays a dividend, a yield of about 2%. Mm-hmm. And if I feel like in the next 30 days that I don't think there's a chance or not a big chance that Qualcomm's going to go up to $70 a share, in the next mm-hmm. 30 days, especially with what's happening, I can sell a $70 call option that expires. I can choose my expiration. It might be a month or two months out or somewhere in between. They're, they're, they, the options expire the third Friday of every month. Basically, I can sell the $70 call option. I already hold my stock, and I will get paid today some income in exchange for selling it at $70 a share. But I don't think it's going to go to $70 a share. So if it goes from 67 to 68 to 69 my option expires worthless. I keep the stock, and I've made that income. And I can do this every month, keep selling call options on the stock I own. It is like having a house for as an investment of property and renting it out every month for income. I can rent out my stock. Gotcha. Okay, so I'd sell a call option in that situation where the, the price is below kind of the, the, the target I'm shooting for. Uh, I'd pick up that extra income. When would I sell a put option, let's say, again, on Qualcomm? When would I ever sell a put option on Qualcomm? Well, if you want to acquire a stock that you don't mm-hmm. yet have in your portfolio and you don't want to pay the retail price, you could sell a put option to generate income to buy it at a lower price. Okay, so that put option would be something like sixty, sixty-five, something like that. Correct. Well, correct. And the, and the closer right now, Qualcomm's at sixty-seven, sixty-eight. So you could sell the sixty-five put option as gotcha. an example, and you'd get some premium. If you sold the sixty put option, you'd get less premium. Okay. Now, how about buying options? And let's do that same thing. Qualcomm. I, you know, I I, I like Qualcomm. When would I buy a call option? When would I buy a put option? Okay, so you might care to buy a put option if you have, let's say, a lot of money in in a stock, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't want to, let's say you're fearful right now. Lots of people right now, I know lots of people that are just selling all their stocks right now because they're very nervous about what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. They get a deal, no deal. We could default. We could not default. Who knows? But they're nervous. Correct. Now, a lot of people do that in their IRAs, but what if you have a taxable account? and you've mm-hmm. made these nice, juicy 20% gains or something like that year-to-date, if you sell all your stock right now, you're going to have either a short or a long-term gain. You're going to owe taxes. Right. 
if you don't want to go down that route, you could buy a put option for insurance. And you mentioned this earlier mm-hmm. in the show. If I buy a put option, it will go up in value as the price of Qualcomm declines. So it's a hedge because if my Qualcomm does go down in value, I will be making money on the put option. And the better case is if Qualcomm doesn't go down in value, all I've done is spent money on insurance that I never had to use. Gotcha. And you still have your Qualcomm stock. Yes, now, how about buying absolutely. the call option? Uh, some people talk about that as, a, as an alternative to buying stocks. You just buy the call options if you're optimistic on a stock. You can. Um, however, um, there are some uh, pros and cons to that strategy. The pros is leverage. Okay. Uh, since one option contract controls 100 shares of stock, um, that if, if the stock has a 2% gain, you could actually maybe make, whatever the multiple it is, a 10, 20% gain on the money that you spent buying a call option. I'm just throwing mm-hmm. out numbers there, but it, it all differs based on the conditions. However, the negative of buying a call option is it has an expiration. If you have an expiration of next week or next month, that call option will be much cheaper than if you have an expiration of next year. And so your big risk of just buying a call, uh, buying a call option is that mm-hmm. the stock never goes up in value, the call option loses value, and you are left holding the bag with nothing. Whereas if you had bought the stock and the stock doesn't move up in price or it moves up a little or it falls in value, you still own the stock and maybe you're still getting a dividend if that stock pays a dividend. You don't get dividends when you buy an option. Correct. Okay, good. Now, let me let me kind of make it a, a little bit crisper for some of our listeners who, who may be new to this. Uh, let's say I'm worried about a drop in price, specifically on Qualcomm. How would it differ in selling a call, which would which kind of help hedge by position some, bring some cash flow, versus buying a put? Because, again, that would be if I'm worried about the stock. So, to show, so give us that distinction now, because I've got two different ways to hedge my position um, in, 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 or worry about you know a, a drop in price on Qualcomm, uh, selling a uh, call versus buying a put. So, um, and that's exactly right. Those are two ways to hedge it. And you and, and the and the goal is you you or you already assuming you already own the stock. <clears throat> okay, mm-hmm. you have to own a hundred shares, for instance, so that because it's a hundred shares of stock per one option contract. Here's the big difference. If I sell a call option on my stock, which is a covered call, that's what it's called. I am generating income immediately in my pocket because I'm selling a call option, I'm getting income. And what I'm doing, Ron, is I'm really just trading upside gain in exchange for income today. If I already have a gain on my Qualcomm stock uh, and it's at 67, and I don't mind selling it at 70, in fact, I might be Mm -hmm. very happy to sell it at 70, I can get paid that call option premium to make a deal that I will sell it at 70 if it indeed exceeds 70 at expiration date. So I'm getting income. That income is an offset. The other alternative is simply buying a put option on Mm -hmm. the Qualcomm stock. But in that case, I'm paying money out of my pocket to buy that insurance. 
Correct. So in that case, you are truly buying insurance, and that's probably a good Correct. way. Anytime we're buying a uh, an option, we're buying either insurance or some upside, depending on it. Okay, I, I think that helps because often, if if somebody looks at the cases individually, they forget that there are you know uh, there are four cases, but they're really you know two different situations. You're either being optimistic or pessimistic. Now, the value of that option, and you said this, is based on that underlying stock. So that means they're derivatives, right? Mm-hmm. Derivatives are supposed to be that scary financial instrument, you know, the big guys on Wall Street use to steal all of our money, our you know, other investors' money. Uh, how do they fit into a conservative investor's portfolio? It sounded pretty easy, and it sounded like I make some cash using this. Now, where's the disconnect between all this bad stuff we hear about derivatives? Well, that's why I'm writing this book. (laughs) The book is called Every Woman Should Know Her Options, Invest Your Way to Financial Empowerment. Mm -hmm. I I want to be the ambassador for these conservative options techniques, which, yes, are derivatives, but, um, you know, you can use options in a variety of ways. You can use derivatives in a variety of ways, in very speculative ways, but I teach men and women how to use them in conservative ways. The whole goal is if you're already taking the risk of being in the stock market because, yep, the stock market has had, you know, over the years, you know, um, very good returns, right? The Correct. average annual return, you know, is somewhere, you can argue, uh, you know, 7%, 8% over That's years. Correct. And, in fact, after inflation, it's not too bad, 6 or 7% correct. real after inflation. Well, if you're already going to take the risk of being in the stock market, why not use these conservative derivatives options strategies to make your risk even lower? That's what options do. They reduce the volatility in your portfolio. All right. But on the other hand, a lot of other financial advisors tell their clients just buy and hold because of those returns. As you said, long-term, stocks do very well. uh, Just buy and hold. You don't agree with that. I used to agree with that. I certainly did when I was a beginning investor, but now I actually do not agree with that. Because mm-hmm. let's take uh, very easy. I can just uh, give an example for you. The, the market returns in 2011, and when I say the market returns, I'd like to use the S&P 500 yes, as really the, the, the index. Okay, they were pretty flat. So let me mm-hmm. think about this. So let's just assume I had uh, a diversified portfolio of stocks that closely mirrored the S&P 500 or maybe even had a mutual fund that was the S&P 500 or, you know, any similar combination. Well, let's say I had $100,000 in that portfolio. Well, if you go from January to December, I had no gain in that portfolio because that, Mm -hmm. that year ended flat. But had I been selling call options against the stock I owned all along, I would have been generating income conceivably every month. And that income would have been a real return. Correct. You probably would not have sold off any of those stocks, but there were any huge moves until, I guess, the end of the year was kind of uh, uh, choppy, as I recall. But uh, in a lot of cases, you would still hold those stocks and still pick up the income from those uh, from those uh, options. Very true. Now, right. rather and the than risk, sure, go ahead. I was just going to say the risk that you have, and it's not really a risk at all. But the the risk you can look at it as a risk is that. When you do sell call options, you are capping the upside gain you can make on the stock because you may be in a position where you have to sell the stock at the price you selected, the strike price. So in a raging bull market, 
mm-hmm. like we had earlier this year, you may find that this covered call strategy underperforms the overall market in a real huge hockey stick bull market. But you're right. still making gains. You're just not making the gains that you would have if your portfolio had been unhedged. So when we had the 2008s, when when people in the S&P hmm. lost nearly 40% that year, Correct. people with a covered call strategy uh, lost a lot less money that year. Exactly. No, very, very true. And I guess I, the one thing I want to kind of emphasize, because we even you, you touched on it, you didn't use those terms. When you sell that call option, you're getting the income from the call option, but you're also still getting the gain when that uh, option's triggered, when somebody does buy your stock away from you. So your Qualcomm hits 70, you still get the gain. You got up to 70, uh, plus you got the income from the option strategy. So you didn't give away the stock uh, at a cheap price. You gave it away at the, a price you were comfortable with. Well, and that's that's the traditional uh, strategy called out of the money call mm-hmm, options. Mm-hmm. But now you can. That's what I love about options. Boy, I tell you, it's like playing Another Scrabble. Option. If you, yeah, if you love playing Scrabble, I know some people hate Scrabble. I love it. If you like thinking, you can sell at the money options, in the money options. I mean, your varieties are endless. It's really fascinating. But you don't have okay. to do that. Most people never touch any of these other strategies. They do exactly what you're talking about: the out of money call. Now, am I being overly cynical when instead of using the term buy and hold, I tend to use the phrase hold and hope? <laughs> I think that's that's terrific, and especially if if you're holding mutual funds that you don't know what's in there, um, mm-hmm. that is a hold and hope because you really have no control uh, in many cases. Whereas uh, if you, you know, with ETFs, which are diversified, very similar to mutual funds, although they have generally lower fees than, than many of the mutual fund companies, uh, and they can be traded like a stock. So you can trade and you can sell options on them. So you have much more control when you use ETFs versus mutual funds. Correct. Correct. Very, very good point. And uh, I'm not sure I mentioned that when we did talk about ETFs, kind of an overview of ETFs several years ago. But that is a, that is a very good point. They really do give you a little bit more control and have the same uh, benefits. Now, uh, Lori, a number of retail financial brokerages or wirehouses, as you referred to them, uh, I won't mention any names. I'm not particularly here to, to uh, either badmouth somebody or promote somebody. Uh, they don't allow their clients to use options. In essence, uh, they just say, no, you know, our, our brokers are not going to allow you to use options within our accounts. Now, is that a key factor on why some of those financial advisors would recommend that hold and hope versus strategies that you or I might use? Well, you know, we have to think about how um, folks in the industry are compensated. There's a whole bunch of kind, you know, types of financial advisors, and, and again, you know, clients need to be educated. They, I really suggest that people talk to two or three different financial advisors before they mm-hmm. select one, or we have many clients who we might be the second advisor. You know, where where clients, right. you know, if you're looking. It's part of your portfolio. If you, if you want to buy annuities from a financial advisor, we can't sell those to you. We're not going to sell those to you. But, but right. you, you know, you may want that. So, yes, the the vast majority of financial advisors do not use options strategies, and I think there's many reasons for that. The first is they're simply not skilled. I mean, it's like. Um, you know, needing surgery and going to a general practitioner. You wouldn't do that. You'd go to a surgeon. You'd go to a specialist. So, and, and let's be honest, I mean, options can be complex, and they are a specialty. So there will be less financial advisors who specialize in those. 
The second reason is that a lot of financial advisors are compensated based on commissions. If they uh, put you in a REIT or they sell you mutual funds or annuities, it's nothing bad. It's just that that's their model and how they're compensated. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then finally, it is mu- it takes a lot less time, Ron, to put a client in a cookie-cutter allocation of stocks, bonds, and cash. So I'm 45 years old. If I went to a financial advisor, uh, he may say, well, Laurie, you should be in 50% equities, 30% bonds, 20% cash. And if I were mm-hmm. 65, he may say 20% equities, you know, 70% bonds, 10% right. cash. That takes a lot of less time. When you use options, you are creating customized portfolios. Every client we have at Coastwise, their portfolio, their account is unique to them. Okay. For the listeners that just tuned in, you're listening to the Wealthinia Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. You can listen to the earlier portion on the archive, or if you missed prior shows, you'll find them on WealthDNA.us. Today, our guest is Lori Itkin, founder of The Options Lady and an investment advisor with Coastal Coastwise, excuse me, Coastwise Capital Group. She's also the author of an upcoming book, Every Woman Should Know Her Options: Invest Your Way to Financial Empowerment. Uh, now, Lori, during the opening of the show, I mentioned some of the risks facing us today in October 2013. Uh, how do option strategies address something like the geopolitical risk with shutdowns and uh, uh, something happening in the Middle East or other parts of the world, uh, North Korea, other you know, other places that are kind of uh, hot spots at any point in time? How, how can I use options to address those? Well, there are a variety of ways you can use options. Um, Assuming you're bullish on equities in the long run, as Mm -hmm. I am, in the long run, um, you may want to just protect your portfolio temporarily. What Mm -hmm. you can do, since most of us uh, have diversified portfolios, we don't just own one stock, hopefully. Um, There's a very simple way. You can buy insurance by, uh, for instance, buying one or more put options on uh, an ETF that uh, or index that mirrors the S&P 500 or mirrors the Dow. Let's say your stocks are more like the Dow, or mm-hmm. you have high-tech stocks, so you could maybe uh, buy puts on the Qs um, or the Russells. So that there's a way that even if you have a whole bunch of different stocks or ETFs, you can get some pretty close insurance by buying one or more put options on one of these index or options that, that mirror a diversified basket. That's probably the easiest way. You're buying okay. insurance, just like I would buy. It's just like if I'm you know, taking a, a car trip across across the country, I might want some extra car insurance for that trip if I mm-hmm. could even buy it. Or if you rent a car, those kinds of things are good examples. Uh, How would I address interest rate risk that we're facing in in the bond market? (laughs) Well, that's a totally different subject, but I know you've covered this in the past, Mm -hmm. uh, and you've talked about it. I mean, right now, look, bonds are a difficult place to be in right now, especially bond funds, uh, as you've discussed. You know, look, interest rates are at historical lows. It's great for borrowers. It's great for, you know, people with mortgages, but it's not great for savers. And what's going to happen? We've got, you know, Ben Bernanke has kept interest rates artificially low. I mean, it's really the Fed Reserve monetary policy. 
Um, and what's going to happen? Interest rates have to go up at some point. They must go up. And there's an inverse relationship between interest rates and bonds. So if you hold a lot of bonds in your portfolio right now, as interest rates go up, the value of the bonds will go down. That's just the way it works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so we've seen a lot of people moving out from bonds into equities. But a lot of retired people who are counting on bond income, they like it because typically bonds are a little more conservative than equities and you're getting reliable, regular income. Well, those folks are actually looking at covered calls where they can be in uh, blue-chip, dividend-paying equities and they get the dividend income and now they also get the option income, the call option premium income. It can be a good substitute for bonds. Okay, excellent point. Had not had we have not mentioned that uh, that strategy, but that's a good way to look at it because you're generating additional income on top of the dividend payers. Now, I also mentioned uh, that hedging strategies can lose money, especially in the short term, or if the market goes up when you're expecting it to yeah. go down. Uh, yeah. Interest rates continue to stay low. Um, do you agree with that? Uh, you can lose money um, on options, absolutely, certainly when you use them in a speculative way. Um, for instance, if I was just um, – a lot of people, uh, you've heard of people, or hopefully our listeners have heard of people shorting stock. Uh, that, that can be a very risky thing. Um, you can buy put options, which is similar to shorting stock, and you're right. Mm-hmm. If the market keeps going up, um, you're going to lose money on those put options. But the way we were discussing using put options was using it on insur- as insurance to insure a valuable portfolio of stocks you already own. In that case, you, you might lose money on that put, but it's just insurance you didn't use. I mean, I have to buy homeowner's insurance every year, and I'm not getting struck by earthquakes every year. Correct. I'm losing money on the insurance every year. But, boy, I'd lose a lot more money if I had no insurance and I was – you know, was it we had an earthquake? That's how you have to look at it. Exactly, and I'm a perfect example. Having uh, my office and part of my home burned down uh, two years ago, so I'm, I'm oh definitely gosh, one of those. Exactly. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The, the the insurance is exactly for those kinds of things. Now, if we use Qualcomm uh, as our example, to be consistent, uh, as an investor, I would have done some research, letting me leading me to investing in Qualcomm. So that's one stock symbol, whether I'm buying or selling it. But if I sell calls on that stock or I sell puts, either either and actually doubles the the, the work, uh, there are probably 10 additional symbols that I need to get quotes on, correct? I'm, I'm sorry, just for uh, an option on Qualcomm? Yes, options on Qualcomm, because you would have many different uh, situations. You said some in the money, out of the money, uh, uh, yeah. different strike prices, dates, and all of those are going to have different symbols uh, that I would need to uh, take a look at and decide which of those I'm going to sell, Correct. That That is correct, and it's so much easier these days. I mean, that's one of the reasons I didn't trade options 20 years ago. Right mm-hmm. now, most of the uh, appropriate online brokerage firms out there have all this information avail- available. It's called an option chain. Uh, mm-hmm. You can even go to Google Finance or Yahoo Finance and find an options chain, and all it does, especially with a, a, a security that's very liquid, that trades a lot, um, you will find bid and ask prices for those options just as you would if you were to buy or sell the stock. It's, it's no different. And those prices um, are updated. And, um, you know, it sounds 
overwhelming at first, but I, you know, my three-month coaching program, for instance, where I meet with people live for an hour or once a month and they get homework in between, after three months, after three meetings, they know how to read these options chains. They know which strike prices to use. They know what strategies to use. If you learned how to buy and sell stock, you can learn how to buy and sell options. Okay, and so if somebody like myself, let's say, that they did a lot of their options work back in the early 80s when there was no Internet, uh, believe it or not, kids out there, there was no Internet back in the 80s, uh, then uh, yeah, it was it was difficult. There were a lot of different uh, alternative um, uh, strike prices, as I said, prices and that kind of stuff. So your hint is today with the online world, those options change, allow you to see the prices and, and, and the symbols and the strike prices and all of the different uh, variations that there are for Qualcomm stock without having to go hunt each of them down individually. Okay, perfect. Oh, it's right there. These platforms right. In fact, it is so easy. I have three self-directed coaching clients right now. That's that's the business from the options lady side. That's not the uh -huh. professional money management. That's where you pick your own stocks. Uh, I don't give you specific um, investment advice on what stocks to pick, but I show you how mm -hmm. to use option strategies. I have three women clients right now who are grandmothers, they're in their 60s, and they're trading options. It is not that difficult to learn. Okay. Now, you touched on it, but some of our listeners focus on investing through ETFs, which just to simplify the amount of stock searching, those kinds of things. How do they take advantage of some of these uh, strategies uh, with those ETFs? Same. The ETF is traded like a stock. Um, many ETFs have options available on them. Again, the most popular ETFs is certainly probably the one, uh, one of the biggest ETFs is the SPY, the SPY. It's simply, mm -hmm. um, you know, a basket of the 500 uh, most capitalized U.S. domestic stocks. And, and the, the bid-ask prices are very tight. It's, it's heavily traded, have really liquid, and people buy, they, you know, they can uh, sell put options on it. Uh, they can, you know, do covered calls on it. Uh, so many ETFs allow you to trade options on it just like a stock. Okay. Now, and also some of the ETFs also have an inverse ETF paired with it. So if I like the S&P 500, I could buy that. But as I start to get worried, I could either sell it or I could actually buy an inverse. Uh, and then as the market does go down, that one goes up while the other is going down, those kinds of things. So that would be another uh, way to do it. Do you recommend that uh, in your upcoming book as well? So I'm not going to be discussing inverse ETFs, but it is another way to hedge, uh, mm -hmm. especially if you're not using options. And and I think you you made it you know pretty clear. Like if I think the Dow is going to go down, then maybe I want to buy the inverse. But you know these are very it, this is a challenging strategy. Uh, you got to watch these. There's also ETFs that are like uh, double and triple leveraged, and right. um, it, it, it's something that a, a beginner doesn't necessarily want to do. And if they do, I, I suggest if you're experimenting with those, just start small. And I just start with a little bit of capital to understand really how the relationships work, the leveraged and the inverse relationships. Okay. All right. If um – you know, we talked about it a little bit. One of those um, uh, strategies could be for if somebody that's been relying on bonds 
uh, for their income. Uh, they're going to see their bond income continue, most likely, unless there's some defaults like uh, Detroit, not to mention anybody that ever would go default on those bonds. Uh, but companies also can default. So you've got a little bit of interest rate risk, but generally they're going to continue to get their interest. But their capital value is going to drop, especially in mutual funds or, or, or uh, uh, instruments like that, or if somebody's selling their bond prior to maturity, they're going to actually see something they have never seen in the last 35 years, which is for most people is, is their entire investing career, is bond prices going down. Um, you know, what are you telling? I mean, one of the things you're telling them is let's switch some of those bonds to, to uh, dividend-paying stocks and, and use covered calls uh, as, as uh, kind of additional income, which will supplement the income you were used to in bonds. Any other thoughts on what uh, some of those fixed-income investors should be doing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a, a tough nut right now because, um, you know, you, you just can't change that relationship, the relationship between price of bonds and, and uh, interest rates. It's just, that's just the truth, and that's the way it mm-hmm. is. Um, you know, there are still, I think, uh, uh, some benefits of, of bonds. You know, you mentioned some municipal bonds um, and the, um, you know, Detroit and, you know, cities can go bankrupt too, right, or default right. on their payments. However... You know, it is a way with municipals to get tax-free income. So it, it's certainly something that some investors who are looking for tax-advantaged mm-hmm. uh, strategies, you know, it, look, bonds aren't bad at all. It's just that, you know, you need to be realistic about what your goal is with fixed income. You know, what, how are you using that in your portfolio? Uh, I'm a total proponent of, of diversified portfolios. I mean, equities, commodities, bonds. You know, the whole, all of it. It's just you have to figure out what percentage allocation you are going to do in your portfolio at any one time and why you're doing it. And you have to be prepared to change those allocations based on your age, your life situation, and the market conditions. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, bond investors have been griping the last number of years how their interest payments are dropping and, you know, any new bonds, there's nothing out there and those kinds of things. Uh, and unfortunately, they're going to get what they asked for which is higher interest rates, uh, which, yes, eventually their bonds will pay them more. The bad news is their current ones are going to be worth a lot less. So you've got to be careful of what you ask for. Now, before I forget, let's remind our listeners about the link to Coastwise Capital Group. And that is, as you said, it doesn't have the capital in there. It is coastwisegroup.com, correct? Correct. And also the options lady. Now that one's real easy. www.theoptionslady.com, correct? Correct. And both of those ways, people can get a hold of you, find out more about what you do, learn from you, probably contact you with a couple of ideas. It sounds like you do some things in terms of coaching people and learning some of these things, which is which is interesting. I wasn't aware of that. I, I probably had I read a little more thoroughly, I would have picked up on it. But I want to prepare more for the show than, than to uh, get to the specifics. But let me ask you a few more questions. What advice do you have for men who are handling the finances in their family? And I happen to be one of those that, you know, my, my wife isn't very involved in this stuff. I'm handling it. I'm dealing with it. Uh, I feel pretty comfortable with finances, and of course, she she feels like I know you know a thousand times more than she does. Uh, what advice do you have for for folks or for men like myself uh, in, in in regards to investing? It's a really good question, Ron. And um, you want her, you know, if something were to happen to you and 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 she was on her own, you'd want her to be educated. You'd want her to know how to find a trusted advisor. I, I actually 
suggest to men that they they um, suggest a date night with their their wife, where you both have a glass of wine or a cognac or scotch or whatever you drink mm-hmm. or iced tea, and sit with your laptops, you know, on the couch and and just have some fun looking at stocks. I mean, women who say that they're overwhelmed or not interested or whatever, start with companies she knows. Maybe she shops at Costco. Maybe she shops at Nordstrom. Um, right. You know, get get her get her to understand that you know the 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 money the the, the places she shops every day the products she uses apple for instance get her to understand the relationship between that and stocks and she might end up becoming interested it's also it's money i mean it's your money it's her money it's your money um you know when it comes down to it shouldn't she understand how her money is growing or not growing Okay, fair point. So turn off the TV and get together over the, uh, <laughs> uh, the right. online uh, um, uh, investing, and uh, or even doesn't have to be online. It can just be getting getting the Wall Street Journal out or the uh, uh, newspaper and saying, "Hey, what stocks do you think you would like at this point in time? Let's do some trying." Okay, very good. How about for women who've counted on their fathers or spouses to handle their finances to date? What advice do you have for them? To get educated and not be afraid. Um, Education can be fun, and that's what I try to do with the book. That's what I try to do with my coaching. But it's very important that women uh, take a role in understanding. After all, it's their money. Nobody cares more about your money than you do. Fair point. Lori, we've covered a lot of ground during the show. What did we miss, or what additional advice or comments would you have for our listeners? Well, thank you uh, for that question. I I really would encourage people to start exploring options and how they can be used to increase their probabilities of success in the stock market. Okay, perfect. It's been great having you as a guest, Laurie, and and, and please let me know when your book is available. Hopefully it will also eventually be available in audio version for some of us that like to read while we drive. You know, we don't like to waste Mm -hmm. time doing just one thing at a time. It would be great to also get you back on the show and talk a little bit about the book in a little bit more detail when our listeners can get their hands on it. All right. Thank you, Ron. I really had a great time on the show, and thank you for having me. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, we are uh, right up against our time frame here, but our uh, our producer gave me the go-ahead to take a few more minutes to summarize a great conversation we've had. We cover a lot related to options and, and hedging, really using options for hedging. I'd like to take just those couple minutes to, to hit some of the key points that Lori made. And incidentally, I wholeheartedly agree that trying to hedge or insure yourself against drops in prices or financial risks is the right thing to do. And as she said, you can actually generate some extra income in the process. Uh, derivatives are indeed financial instruments uh, whose value is derived from the underlying instrument. So we use the example of Qualcomm. The Qualcomm options all by themselves wouldn't have a value. They are tied to what Qualcomm stock is doing. Now, derivatives get a bad reputation in the media, but the vast majority of people in the media don't understand them. For investors who take the advantage uh, of, of, of the time to understand and, and listen to shows like this on how options work, use them as an instrument to hedge their portfolio. They can be extremely useful, not as scary as they sound. Now, the strategies we discussed today are not so sophisticated that any listener who owns either individual securities or ETFs couldn't take advantage of. 
And that was the key objective of today's show. And keep in mind, this doesn't work with investment funds or mutual funds as we call them in the U.S. Uh, it is something that works in a brokerage account. Now, it's important to fully understand the difference between buying an option versus selling an option. And if you have limited funds available, you'd like to invest in particular securities, buying call options can be an attractive alternative. You're betting that the stock price will go up, just like anyone who buys the stock. But there are three key differences between buying the stock and buying a call option. Options are far less expensive, but they expire. If you're right, the profit, especially the percentage gain, is much higher when you buy a call option. And the third point is, if you're wrong, owning the call option limits your risk to what you paid for that call option. Whereas owning the stock, you're limited to a much higher amount that you paid for the stock. But after the option expires, the option is worthless, you would still own the stock after the price decrease. And the price recovers, you may break even or even make a profit just later than you expected. Now, selling a call option when you own the underlying stock, you're lowering your cost basis, but capping the gain of the stock if the trigger price goes above the option price. Now, selling a naked call option, we didn't talk much about that, that is not conservative, meaning you don't own the underlying stock. Your gain is very lim is limited to what you sold the option for. So you get that money, but your loss is unlimited, which is very risky, similar to selling a stock short. So leave that to folks that have experience. If you like the idea of selling options on stocks you own or uh, selling puts as, uh, as either hedges or as ways to then uh, pick up extra income, I think you'll benefit enormously from what we talked about on the show and buying Lori's book when it's available. You may find it useful to do some paper trades with options to get a feel for how the prices change as the underlying security prices uh, change. And by the way, Let's use her suggestion and do that as a couple. In a word, options price move fast. So seeing that dynamic before you real, use real money can be very useful. Additionally, it helps you fully appreciate the difference between buying versus selling and puts versus calls. Now, if your brokerage account is set up with a company that doesn't allow you to use options, you may need to set up a separate account. Incidentally, I found the brokerage commissions on options to be more attractive through the full-service brokerage houses than using the discount brokers that you might for just trading stocks. And clearly, costs are an important consideration. If in doubt, you know the name and contact information for someone very well-versed in options strategies, Lori Itkin, also known as the Options Lady at Coastwise Capital Group. In our upcoming shows, we'll have guests to share some insights on the education most financial investors uh, and uh, financial not investors, but advisors, financial advisors and planners get, experts on commodities, and maybe someone who makes a living doing forex trading. There aren't many, but we're trying to find one that's willing to talk to us and share their experience. Um, and hopefully they're not one that's bankrupt. Since we've been focused on uh, this series in alternative investments, I overlooked an important and very timely topic we should cover before December 15th, the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, also known as the Non-Affordable Care Act. So we plan to have a show on that topic in November. For those unable to log into the exchange, you might want to wait until after that show. If you're a listener within the U.S. and feel you won't be impacted by this new legislation, uh, tune in. Be ready for a surprise or two. I'll admit listeners outside the U.S. probably will not be impacted, but I'm sure they'll find the topic fascinating 
especially when they contrast it to their health care alternatives wherever they live. And remember, one of the best ways to increase your wealth, tune into this show twice a month. Turn off the TV and listen to the show. We share the investment fundamentals, some great ideas, and help diversify and grow your portfolio. The next, excuse me, next Wealth DNA Radio Show, the fourth Monday of October. That's Monday, October 28th, 9 a.m. Arizona time. Same place, same time. Our guest will be Dr. Larry Barton. He's the president and CEO of the American College, where some of the best financial planners and financial advisors receive their degrees. Now, coincidentally, and it is truly coincidental, that in October we have two guests who who uh, deal uh, or deal with financial education in uh, the Philadelphia area. You see, the American College is not far from the Wharton School, where Lori Itkin received her degree in finance. So, there's a question that you can ask your current advisors where they received their financial education. Hopefully they did. As soon as we have the lineup of guests and topics, you'll find them on wealthdna.us, and there you'll also find the archive of past shows. If you have some questions on today's show, suggestions, additional questions, or you haven't received my emails reminding you about this show, send me an email, ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Happy investing, and make sure you know your options. You've been listening to Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started. <laughs>